So getting into the sermon today, just talk about Samson a little bit. And can you put the first image of Samson up, please, on the screen? I've got some images. All right, so this is what movies will do with Samson. You know, you, you get a nice bodybuilder on your hands here who's been working out. If you, I've, I've seen parts of that movie, and this guy, he's big and he's strong, right? And, you know, I think we even get to the point where we get a little bit mythic. If you give me the, the next one, maybe they're, they're getting a little bit radioactive. Second image, if you would. You know, you have to wonder, at what point in time do we go crazy with Samson, even in our thoughts? When I was a kid in Sunday school, I think that crossed my brain. Like, the guy must be like the Hulk running around just tearing things to shreds. So give me the third image, if you would, that we have. I think more like this. I think Samson, probably either of these two guys, maybe the guy on the right here, no sunglasses, but, and uh, watch, but when I read about Samson, I tend to think of him not being a bodybuilder, not being the Hulk, not being Lou Ferrigno or uh, anyone else that's famous for uh, you know, Schwarzenegger, those type of things. Why? Because the Philistines were always trying to figure out the source of his strength. So, I mean, if the guy had, like, muscle, I mean, we had, a, we had a teacher when I was in high school, Mr. Hansen. When you took biology from him, if he, if he discussed muscles, basically he flexed, ripped, shirt rips like the Hulk, and we're all like, wow, that guy's strong. I don't think that's Samson at all. I don't think the guy's out tearing shirts and, and everyone's going, wow, what gym does he work out at? I don't think that at all. Just because, again, we know the source of his strength. We know that it's, it's based in the Nazarite vow. It's the length of his hair. It's not cutting the hair. It's the Spirit of God falling upon him. And this is extremely important as we study Samson, as we look at sermons on Samson, to understand this, because otherwise you think, oh, I guess if the Lord's going to use someone to be strong, he's got to find someone strong. As I've said before, God doesn't need anything that I can provide. He's amazing. I've been amazed at what God will do through me, but none of it's based on what I can do. He does what he wants to do. So again, it's God strengthening him. And this is important for this text. I want to take you into Judges 15, 14 through 20. It says, when he, Samson, came to Lehi, however you want, by the way, I just need to give you a heads up right now. When it comes to Old Testament names, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. And even in classes, I've had people try to say this. You probably heard me say this before. If I'm teaching a class or we're doing a Bible study, we're probably slaughtering all of the names, okay? Let's just get that out front. So I'm not worried about that. Even when people call the book of Revelation, Revelations with an S on the end, it's one big revelation. So what? I really, it just doesn't bother me when people throw an S on the end. It's like, you know what? We're in the same book. Let's see what God has to say. So when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. When Samson, then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey... Heaps upon heaps. 
with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramath Lehi. Then he became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank. And his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore he called its name En-Hakori, which is in Lehi to this day, and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So, as you know, one of the points I've been making about Samson is, is that he's a mess. And if God can use a mess like Samson, here I am. God can use a mess like me. And so let's get into this passage. So there's, there's some things in here I want to get to as we look at this passage of Scripture. And so we'll go back into 14 and 15. About when he, he came to this area, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. I'm actually going to deal with that probably next week. Really get into the, the idea of how the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Because I don't want to just jump past that, which I'm going to do, and have you go, whoa, wait a minute, there's like this huge thing right there in the Scriptures, and I agree with you. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. So a little bit of background. Samson's upset. He had gone to go see his Philistine wife. Uh, the father-in-law says, oh, I thought you didn't like her, so I gave her to someone else. Really gets Samson upset. So he decides to go get a whole bunch of foxes, hundreds, ties them together, puts flames with them, has them run through the harvest field, burns up the harvest field. It's just a it's a mess, like I've been talking about. He just goes after this. The, the, the Philistines show up. Remember that they're oppressing Israel. The Philistines have control of Israel. They show up, and they want Samson. It scares the, the people of Judah that this army has arrived. So they go to take Samson and say, look, we're being attacked, or at least they're, they're demanding you. So this is what we want to do. We're, we're going to take you. Now he says, I'll give myself to you. Don't kill me. So they go, okay, we'll do that. And so they're going to deliver him. But then the Spirit of the Lord, is, as, the, as this is all going on, so I'm just giving you a little background. The Spirit of the Lord is going to follow him. When they come, they begin to shout against him. They're angry with him for having burned the wheat fields and other things. So Samson's delivered, tied up. Spirit of God falls upon him. He breaks the cords. And he grabs a jawbone of a recently dead donkey. By the way, anybody know what a quijada is? Anybody ever heard? It's a musical instrument called a quijada. Um, obviously, no one has one at home. It's a jawbone of a donkey, horse, or mule that is used as a musical instrument. Who knew, right? When it is cleaned and dried, the teeth will loosen and make a powerful buzzing sound when it is struck with your hand or a stick. I suppose we're not going to get that with the choir anytime soon, right? No, okay. The, the Quijada choir. First we have to find a whole bunch of dead donkeys. No, it's just. So the only thing with that is I think you've got to be really bored to figure that out. I mean, I'm not, I, I mean, I know there's other cultures, but I mean, 
to think about, you figure out how to turn the jaw of a donkey or a horse into a musical instrument. I mean, obviously, your cable went down. <laughs> you, went, you know, we got that old jaw out back. I mean, it's the same thing for me. as like, I'm from California, right? I love artichokes. I'll go to the store, get fresh artichokes, you know, and you, you trim the stem and the top, and you boil. I love the things. But come on, the thing's a thistle. Who is so hungry that they thought, that looks good? If you recently ever gone to the store? I mean, the funny thing about living in South Carolina, every time I bought artichokes, they'd always go, what's this? You know, as I'm going through Ingalls to buy one. I love the things, but every time, I think, who got so hungry they figured out how to boil a thistle? I mean, and then, and then you know, to, to pull the leaves, and my dad used to call it nature's mayonnaise spoon, you know, because you get some good mayonnaise or butter on there, and you get down to the heart, it's the best part, but still, who, who was so hungry? Who, who was so bored they figured out that if you take a jawbone of a donkey that's dried out, it, it, you can play the thing? Don't, please don't buy me one for Christmas, okay? <laughs> I don't need one in my office. Just so you know, if, if, you, if you get me one, we will ring in worship with it every, you know, excuse me. <laughs> but Samson knew what to do with a, a, a donkey's jawbone, right? He kills a thousand Philistines with a fresh jawbone. What a guy. But the Spirit of God is upon him. What I want to get into, though, is not so much his battle with the Philistines, but verse 17, it says, And so it was, when he had finished speaking, that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramathlehi, or Lehi, or however you want to pronounce it, meaning jawbone height. Maybe this is, I mean, besides what he's going to do at the very end of his life, this is like the height of his career. The high point. He just defeated a thousand Philistines in battle. I don't, I don't care if you're Arnold and you have a jawbone. If the Spirit of God's not on you, you aren't going to pull that off. All is good, right? No. Verse 18, then he became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord and said, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. So now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? What a nice prayer. You just got done defeating a thousand Philistines, and you're going to pray this to God. You have given me, at least he acknowledges it's God. We'll give him that much. You have given me this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. So it's God. You did this through me. And then he's going to pray, now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Does this ring up any bells for the Israelites with Moses about this point in time? Remember when Moses has the people of God, and God says, go out into the wilderness. Out they travel. What is the first thing they do? Do they go out there and go, let's worship, we're free. No, where's the water? Did you bring us out here to kill us? Moses, can't you administrate your way out of a paper bag? You can be, I mean, I've read, I've gone back over that passage, and I think Moses, he's just doing what God told him to do. Take the people. Out of, he, didn't, he didn't have to figure out, okay, we're going to need X amount of water per day, obviously. All he knew was take the people, and the people begin to complain against him. What is it with people getting thirsty and complaining? Excuse me. <laughs> Bring your own water, right? 
By the way, you're welcome to bring water into the sanctuary. I'm, I'm all good with that. If you need to take lots of sips, go ahead. Sometimes my sermons are dry, right? Anyway, so, so again, acknowledges what God's done. Now, you might think that God would re- respond to Samson at this point and say, Hey, Samson, put your big boy pants on and go find some water. I mean, obviously he's tired. I mean, I can't imagine, even with the Spirit of God upon you, how much energy does it take to actually do that? But nonetheless... The complaint, where's the water at, God? But God doesn't get on his case. Verse 19, so God split the hollow place that is there, and water came out, and he drank. And his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, he called its name en Hakori, or however it's pronounced, which is in Lehi to this day. That new word, en Hakori, means spring of the collar. So Samson called on God, and God caused a spring to open. I love it when God provides. How many of you have noticed that you don't have to go into travail many times for God to provide? How many of you have ever seen God provide because you simply asked? I mean, Diana and I have seen God provide even when we didn't ask. God's really good at it. Some of you may have heard this, but uh, by the way, I, I repeat stories, and as a pastor when I was in college said, if you ever hear one of my stories twice, just raise your hand, and I'll take that to me, and please tell it again. So <laughs> that's what he said. I loved it. <laughs> that's the way I roll. Anyway, so Diana and I were living in San Diego. We were down there, and she has a cousin who writes us a check. And the guy, it's, it was like 362 bucks or something like that. And we get this check, and we're like, this is so cool. We can go out for dinner. I mean, we were both, we were in ministry with Church Resource Ministries. Diana's working as a social worker. I'm working as a night auditor for Howard Johnson Hotel downtown. By the way, I'm not good with numbers, but they hired me anyway. So we're supplementing income. We get this check. What goes to our heads? We can go out for dinner. Oh my word. We might even be able to do some fun other things. You know what happens the next day? I had my grandmother's powder blue Ford Granada. Remember those things? Yeah, yeah. It breaks down the next day. Take it to the Ford dealership. Anyone want to guess the exact amount to repair the car? That was it. It was the exact amount. We, We suddenly went, this is so cool. Her cousin had just written a note saying, I don't know, the Lord just put it on my heart to send you this check. And God provided. We were so thankful because my car was running again. God even provided before I ever asked. He is so awesome. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the complete past. He knows the complete present. He knows the complete future. He's amazing the way he moves. And so God provided for us. I mean, to this day, I think back to that and just go, God, thank you so much. He's provided so many other ways. But how many of you have ever gone through that where God has provided for you before you even asked him to do it? He knew what you were going to need, right? He knew it, and he made it happen. I think there's times when we pray and we're behind in the whole system. God's already going, yeah, I'm going to make it happen, but pray, because he loves to hear you. He loves your heart. He loves your voice. He loves you. That's the reason why I never want you to be shy when praying to him. Don't ever say, I don't know. I already asked this. 
I've told people, you know, in churches where we've had times where you raise your hand and you ask for prayer requests, I've had people after us go, I'm really sorry, I probably shouldn't have asked more twice. I go, I don't care, ask a thousand times until we see God move. Jesus told a parable along those lines, right? The woman who bangs on the judge's door. Yeah. Well, that's what Jesus was teaching was he doesn't want to hear repetitive words. He doesn't want you to repeat the same thing over and over. He wants your heart. He doesn't care how many times you knock on the door. He doesn't care how many. He does care because he loves you, but it doesn't bother him. He'll never say, oh, would you please stop asking for that? (laughs) Don't you think I heard you the first time? No. He's fine. Ask again. That's just why if you're dealing with something and you ask me to pray with you, even after the service, you come up and you say, would you pray with me? I will pray with you. You come up next Sunday and say, it's still going on. I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you every Sunday from here on out until we see God move or until he answers. He may give an answer. His answer may be no, right? But then he gives the grace for us to walk in his answer. We're able to accept what he has to say because we also know there's other things in the, the program. So understand this. Above anything else, what I'm going to say is God absolutely loves you. And so always walk in that love. There's times when I I don't feel all that particularly lovable. That's okay. My not feeling lovable, my feeling unlovable, doesn't mean that God stops loving me based on how I feel. I deal with the truth of who he is and what he has said. And by the way, brothers and sisters, what can separate you from the love of Christ? I heard nothing, and you're absolutely right. That is what God does So the next time the enemy comes to you and says, oh, really, you think God loves you? Go, "Uh, yes, I do. And by the way, thank you for reminding me. Thank you, God, for loving me. You know, that's the enemy hates it when when he reminds you to actually thank God for things because he's trying to get you to fall apart inside and say, I don't think God, I don't think anybody loves me. Brothers and sisters, you get to that point, you need to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. You do do love me, and I accept all of your love. I don't know how I'm going to deal with all of it because it's a whole lot more than I've ever experienced before. How many of you have noticed that the more you walk with God, the more you learn about his love, you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper in his love, right? You will never get to the point where you fully understand his love until you're standing right in front of him. And those eyes of love look at you when you're before him, when you've left this planet, and he says to you, I love you. And even then, I think that's one of the things where the scriptures talk about how the Spirit searches the deep things of the Father. I think that love of God is one of those deep things that you can never fully understand. It's just amazing. So if God puts you on a path where, like a learning curve where you're supposed to learn about his love, engage it. Just understand you you won't actually graduate. I'll never ask you... Would you please come up on the stage right now, Jonathan? Because Jonathan has totally understood the love of God and graduated from the love class. I don't ever get to hand you that diploma. And if I ever try to do that, you should look at me and say, and happening until I get before the throne. So, here's the thing with God. Here we have Samson. He's done this mighty work in the Spirit of God. He's thirsty. He cries out to God, right? How many of you have noticed, though, that many times you have to come to a place where you need God to provide, and he provides? Some of the most wonderful things we ever see God do, some of the most amazing healings don't happen because everybody's healthy. It's 
It's somebody who's in dire need, and you go and you pray for them, and God moves. Sometimes you're in the, the valley of the shadow of death when you see God move. It's amazing how God does things. Most of the miraculous provisions in Scripture work that way. Think about it. Where were the people in Scripture when God moved? When they saw God's hand? You know, you can't see someone raised from the dead if they don't die. Lazarus had to die for us to see Jesus in the Scriptures speak his name, come forth, Lazarus. So, Sometimes we're in those hard parts. You don't cry to the Lord for help to buy a $20 shirt at the store when you have 80 bucks in your wallet. Oh, dear God, please, I need another 20 bucks. Yeah, eight in your wallet, take that. We don't call out to God for healing. Also, I mean, yes, God ministers to us. But sometimes it's simple things. But sometimes we won't do it. I had a, like I talked about these prayer times. I had this little girl one time. She raised her hand. You know what she wanted prayer for? Sorry. (laughs) Maybe it's prophetic. She had this bunny at home that had the sniffles. There. And so, and actually I had somebody, I prayed for that. I prayed that God would heal the bunny. And then I had somebody come to me afterwards going, why would you do that? You should only take important things to God. I'm like, you know what? One, that bunny is one of God's creations. That wasn't me. I just, I said, let me explain why I did this. One, that bunny is one of God's creations, Okay. Two, that bunny is very important to that little girl, and that little girl is very important to God. Am I going to pray for the bunny? Yes. Really? Well, we should only be taking cancer to God. I said, I don't think so. And wouldn't it be really cool if she came back next Sunday and said her bunny was healed? I think God loves bunnies. Anyway, I mean, he created a whole lot of them. They multiply all the time. So (laughs) maybe we need to start the bunny ministry. I don't know. I mean, when you talk about these type of things, I had a spiritual mom named Evelyn Leisky. And she talked about you know, just God healing animals. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on a rabbit trail. Oh, rabbit trail. That's a good one. So, <laughs> is anybody out there praying for me right now? Oh, dear God, please keep him on topic. Anyway, so she said they were doing this healing service. And it was back in California. The back doors of the church were open. As they're praying for people, this German shepherd comes leaping in, comes right up to the front. And they're like, well, that's strange. Uh, but why not? So they prayed for the German shepherd. And then it ran out the back door. No more limp. They went, okay, so God can bring a German shepherd into the house. Good. <laughs> if a German shepherd can figure out how to get through those doors, we're praying, okay? It's, uh, the doors are closed right now. But they're smart. They are. So what I'm talking about is usually you hit kind of a bad spot when God, God ministers. And some of you have probably heard about George Mueller and his orphanage. How many of you ever heard about when God provided, right? What was going on? He gets up one morning, they don't have any milk or bread, right? And they've, what do they have, 100 to 200 orphans? And so he and the, the leaders get together and they're like, Lord, we have nothing to feed these children. We just ha- don't have anything. And that's when there's a knock on the door, right? And it's, I believe the first one was the baker. If you go read his, his biography, his autobiography, it's a baker show that says, hey, God put it on my heart last night to bake for the children. So here's his bread, and then all, not long after that is the the dairyman, the milkman's going by and the cart breaks down not far away and he comes and says, my cart broke down, it's going to take me all day to fix it. Can you use the milk that I have on the cart? Don't be surprised when God moves. 
Nothing against, I'm sure he helped out the milkman with his cart somehow. But, but the children needed the milk. So pay attention to the Lord when you're going through a difficult time in your life. And I'm not going to even put boundaries on difficult. Everybody has difficulties in their own way, all right? No judgment here. See what the Lord will do. You can have a great victory in life and feel at your lowest. And this is where I want to go with Samson. So we're talking about we're in low spots. You can have an amazing victory where, like Samson, you defeat the enemy in some massive way, right? And we all know the story. If you went to Sunday school, you heard about it. And not long after that, you can feel at your lowest or neediest. And God will meet you there. That's my belief. I believe God will meet you there. Do you remember when Elijah learned about God's voice? Remember, not in the fire, not in the earthquake, but the still small voice of the Lord? It wasn't because Elijah had gone into a month of fasting, sought the Lord saying, please teach me your voice. No, Elijah had just gone through having fire come down from heaven, defeating the 400 priests of Baal, then ending the drought. I mean, if I had that kind of prayer life going on, I'd be going, whoa. I just thought, I mean, I, I asked God for a fire from heaven to consume this altar and all the water on it. Then I prayed and God ended the drought. I'd be feeling pretty, mm, let's go, God, what's next? Not Elijah. He then, right after that, has Queen Jezebel put a price on his head and he runs for it. Wouldn't you think he would take her on and go, really? Did you see what happened? Me and God, we're like this. You should be backing off right now. No, he runs for it. Go read 1 Kings 17 through 19 is where this is coming from. What is amazing to me is Elijah then is alone with the Lord. And he's saying, I, I, I think I'm the only one left who actually follows you. And God has to say, no, no, no I've got others. But what I love is it's in that moment, after this great victory, he's actually at one of his lowest points. And that's when he heard something that has taught us ever since. The still small voice. And it's so important for us to, to learn this. But go back and read that passage and see what was going on with Elijah. So here's my encouragement to you, brothers and sisters. This is what I hope you'll walk away with today. Don't be surprised if God meets you, not when you're feeling on top of the world. but you feel like the world's walking all over you. When you're at your lowest, and you even start questioning if God loves you, one, again, don't question God's love for you. But understand that many times God will meet you at that low point and fill you. And you know what's the beauty of that whole exchange? You will know it wasn't you. It was God meeting you. It was God lifting you up. So if any of you right now are at a very low point, you feel like there's things just coming against you. You feel like the world's walking on top of you. Maybe it's just you hurt inside your heart. You, you miss someone that you've lost. You, it's just not a great moment. I want to pray for you right now that the Spirit of God would speak to you in a still, small voice 
pouring God's love into you and strengthening you. And maybe God will show you something. Maybe he'll meet you at this moment. And if he does, would you please tell me about it? I love testimonies. And in the future, I'm hoping to have a time of testimony up front when brothers and sisters can share what God has been doing, how he's met them. I love testimonies. You're awesome, God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters who are just going through difficult days. Lord, I thank you that they're here. And Lord, I feel for those brothers and sisters who uh, either, either they haven't been able to come back into the house yet or there's something going on in their lives. There's, there's difficulty going on, whether it's physical or if it's emotional or whatever it might be. Would you minister to them right now where they are? And Lord, it is our hearts that they come back into the house one day, into the house of worship. Because Lord God, we love them and we love one another and we're here. Lord, please put on your, your, our hearts, all of us, that you don't expect us to show up here with the biggest smile on our face. Some days we drag ourselves in because we're hurting, but we respect you and we will come in to worship you. And Lord God, we give you our hearts. So Lord God, for my brothers and sisters that are going through really difficult days, maybe they've had great victory not long ago, but right now they're, they're, they're in the opposite. They're, they're down in the valley. They're down in a place of hurt. Would you meet them there, please? Would you speak to their hearts? Lord, would you please minister to them? Would you give them scriptures? Would you put a brother or sister in Christ in the right place to come along and encourage them? Lord, will you give them a dream or a vision and show them your plans for them? For Lord God, sometimes it's in those very low places that you speak to us. You say, I have plans for you. I have a destiny for you. Lord God, would you minister to our hearts, please? And so I pray right now, if you're in this room or if you're, if you're online watching and you're going through this time, Lord God, would you please minister to my brothers and sisters now by the power of your spirit? And would you cause the spirit to fall upon them and encourage them and strengthen them? Even if it's, a, it's not acute, it's chronic, it's something that's going on day after day, would you please strengthen them and show them your plans and bless them and give them strength for these days? You're awesome, God. You're amazing. And thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.